Welcome back. I'm here now with Ray Smith, who is the designer behind tonight's production. Ray designed the sets, the costumes, and the uh, video projections and drawings that you see. Good evening, Ray. Hello, hello. Now, <laughs> thank you. Now, the design for this show is such an integral part of the staging. Can you tell us a bit about the inspiration behind it? Yeah, um, when we started thinking about the strangeness of this particular story, uh, the first things we were looking at were like Mervyn Peake's drawings, um, the sort of haunted, gothic, emotional realities of Gormenghast and the scariness of them, and uh, Paul Arego's paintings, the way you know they're constructed uh, in terms of storytelling and the women with strange dresses on in them, and. Uh, then sort of like uh, storytelling in books, like uh, Jan Piankowski's uh, silhouette-type storytelling books where you go from page to page reading the picture along with the text. And uh, Lottie Reiniger's animated uh, black and white films, which uh, gave us a sense of uh, storytelling in a sort of more folkloric sort of sense and, and shadow theatre. Basically. I mean, there's uh, clearly you've taken deliberate choices to set it in a fairy tale world, but alongside of that, the, uh, we have um, characters who are incredibly complex and nuanced and, and very real. Um, how do you work that out when you're designing that balance? Well, the, the uh, fairy tale world or the kind of folk tale world is very recognisable to us in our imaginations and dreams, you know, like the scary forest or the, you know, stormy ocean we have to cross. And our main protagonists and things that happen to them uh, tragically, fantastically, heroically and gorgeously uh, are, are, the, are the matter of the story. Um, as we're watching the show, we're aware of their emotional journey through it. And a lot of it can be seen, for example, in the visual world of how you think about their costumes. Mm. Uh, Helena, for example, starts off looking almost childlike, like a girl, and uh, in her little sort of serving outfit, and then puts on her red riding um, cape so, and becomes sort of instantly heroic uh, and recognisable as the, as the sort of girl child walking through the forest of scary adult life and then the strange twinkly dress that I'm told every girl wants to wear um, and uh, that it's all kind of ooh, pretty and, and lifeless when it's laid out on that chair uh, as a dowry for a very sort of business-like transaction and then her um, journey once again through you know the forests of terror and life in um, and her pilgrimage um, uh, as she misses um, Spain and ends up in Italy um, as a sort of I don't know how she does it but we don't worry about that and and then the second half which I can't tell you too much about um, uh, but she does become more of a sort of adult in a sense and um, enacts a kind of ruse in which she dresses up like, a, like her girlfriend and then or even though she's in disguise you see her sort of fluttering emotion and, and later on she sort of transforms into sort of a butterfly like a flower opening in the summer. I'm talking in metaphors because I don't want to tell you the story. <laughs> um, are there particular things about designing for Shakespeare? Um, are there unique challenges? Uh, or, or does Shakespeare, with its um, many locations and the huge sweep 
of its drama. Um, is that a gift to you as a designer? Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, mostly in Shakespeare, you need the type of apron stage is the best, like this one, and uh, very little scenery and mainly costume. And it's true to say that when a character enters on stage, most of the time they say, you know, I'm from blah, 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 my name is this. So you can judge who they are by what they look like and what they do. In this play, however, it's a little bit more mad, I don't know, uh, because Shakespeare's not that bothered with the sort of detail of location. You know, he, know we t he tells us we're in France and we're in Italy, but the detail of it, the period of it, who cares really as far as he's concerned? He's more interested in the emotional journey of the characters and the ideas of truth and lying and, uh, you know, perception and things mm. like that. I mean, as we can see behind us, we're now about to enter a new world. And as Helena continues her pursuit of Bertram to Italy, are there two very distinct worlds between the first and the second halves of the show? Yeah. Um, the uh, interesting thing about France uh, is, is its kind of gothic, autumnal, frosty, windy, isolated turrets and uh, a certain sense of coldness. Mm -hmm. And uh, the... the um, there's, there's old, older people who are disengaged somehow with the younger generation and uh, they're worried about death and illness and the younger generation are just sort of like half asleep, ready to get away. So you have, have a very particular feeling of France then. And then Italy is a completely different yeah. place. It's an imaginary place, a little bit like how we think of Italy, yeah. which is sunny. The romance is possible and uh, it's colourful in a different way. Thank you very much, Ray. <laughs>